0: Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles tonight to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. You know, in the years I spent with Brother Hagin, his favorite scripture, he would always say his favorite scripture was Mark 11, 23. But when it came to teaching healing, he liked, and it was his personal preference to teach from Proverbs chapter 4 more so than any other scripture. And the reason for that is because it's what he got started on, it's what he got healed from. I'll explain a little bit more what I mean by that as we go. Many of you may be thinking, well, I heard his testimony. He said Mark eleven twenty three and 24 got him off of the sickbed. Well, that's true, but it was because he had a foundation of Proverbs chapter 4 and already uh, developed and established in his heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Um, the Holy Ghost is speaking to us and says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from before thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they, my words, are life unto those that find them in health to all their flesh. Now, folks, verse 23, or I'm sorry, verse 22, is the explanation for why not everybody gets healed. So many times people have questions and say, Well, you know, I knew dear sister so-and-so or dear brother so-and-so, and they were a great, great witness for God. They loved God with all their heart. And they died of cancer. So that proves, many will say, that proves that God doesn't heal everybody. Well, no, it doesn't. It means they didn't find the Word. Are you out there? Let me read these verses of Scripture again. My son attended to my words. That means there's a responsibility on the individual. My son attended to my words. How do you do that? How do you give attention to the Word of God? Well, the first thing you do is you incline your ear to your sayings. You incline your ear to what the Bible says in spite of or in, in the face of contradicting sources or words being spoken or circumstances or whatever the case is. Incline your ear unto my sayings. There's many voices in the air, Paul said, and none with, are without signification. The devil's got a lot of ways that he tries to speak to you. He'll even try to speak to you through well-meaning, well-meaning Christians. But the devil has a lot of ways to speak contrary to the word of God. Well, what are we going to do in those situations? The instruction for healing is to incline your ear into the word. Notice the next thing that he says, the next characteristic is, let them, my words, not depart from thine eyes. In other words, see yourself with what the word says. The devil tries to make you see everything else in the world except what the Bible says is yours. He tries to make you see yourself sick. He tries to make you see yourself getting sicker and sicker and sicker and never being able to receive. But the Bible says to let the word of God not depart from your eyes. In other words that means you'll if you the word of God hasn't departed from your eyes, you'll see yourself with what the word of God says is yours. That's brother Hagin said that was the toughest piece of the puzzle for him. He said because even after he prayed Mark 11:24 started speaking, he said uh, uh, his testimony was he got healed on a combination of Mark 11:23, which is believe in your heart and say with your mouth, and Mark 11:24, which is the prayer of faith. Believe you receive them what things soever you desire. Believe you receive them uh, when you pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He said he got healed on a combination of those two things. But Proverbs 4:20 20 through 22 was so ingrained in him, he had spent months and months and months meditating on these scriptures. He knew that there was the answer. He knew it was the answer. But somehow or another, he couldn't seem to get a hold of it. Well, once he found out that Mark 11:23 23 and 24 were in there as instruction, further instruction for how to receive your healing, then he acted on those scriptures. But he said even after he acted on those scriptures, he still had a mental image of himself dying. He said he had a mental image of himself fulfilling what the doctor said, and that was that he couldn't survive. He saw himself being buried. He saw him... He said he'd go through the details. He said, I saw them throwing in uh, dirt on top of the casket. He said, I saw them covering it up, mounding the dirt over, and I saw some flowers being laid there on the grave. He said, I saw the seasons change. I saw winter come and and the icy snow uh, covering my grave. He said, I saw springtime come and the flowers come up, but I'm still dead. He said he saw himself in each one of the seasons. Night after night after night, he saw himself with what the doctor said and what the devil tried to enforce as getting sicker and sicker and finally dying. That was the hardest part for him. He said, I had to learn. I had to train myself to see myself well, to see myself well. Well, thank God he succeeded. Let them, my words, not depart from before your eyes. See, if you're speaking the word of God, which promises victory, if you're speaking healing but see yourself sick, you've still got some work left to do. Now, don't be disheartened. You can do it. Just like Brother Hagen was able to, you can too. But that's one thing that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to attend to his words, meaning force yourself, make yourself see yourself with the answer. Make yourself see yourself healed. You can imagine anything you want to. There's no reason to imagine failure, imagine success. You're the one that decides. You may not be the one that brings the picture of failure or success to you, but you're the one that decides which one you look at. Let them, my words, not depart from before thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now, we know from other scriptures that your heart is talking about your spirit. How do you keep the word of God in your spirit? Well, Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law, meaning the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. So the way you keep the word of God in your mouth is you say it over and over and over again to yourself. And that's what the Bible calls meditating. The Bible calls meditating speaking or confessing the word. That's how you keep the word of God in your heart. Remember, your mouth and your heart, your mouth and your spirit are directly connected. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the spirit, the mouth speaks. So what you say is what's going to eventually be a part of your spirit. It's going to be incorporated into your spirit man. It's going to be incorporated into your belief system. So where it says keep the word of God in the midst of your heart. The only way you can do that is by saying it. You plant the word of God in your spirit by words. You keep the word of God growing in your spirit by words. So attending to the word of God is first inclining your ear to his sayings. Listening to what the word of God says no matter whatever else is coming at you. No matter what thoughts are coming. No matter what somebody else says no matter what somebody else's opinion is. Incline your ear to his sayings, the word of God. Let the word of God not depart from before your eyes. See yourself with the answer. And then finally, keep the word of God in the midst of your heart. Keep saying what God's word says. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, I've been doing that for so long. Right there, you made a a determination. You made a decision to not attend to the word. Yeah, but how long are we supposed to keep this up? you find them. Notice verse 22. After doing those things, my son attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why do you want to do that? Verse 22. For, for, because, for, they, my words, are life unto those that find them. Who is it that are the ones that find the word? The ones that attend to it. The ones that incline their ear to the sayings. The ones that see themselves with what the word says is theirs the ones that keep speaking the word of God, no matter whatever else is coming out of them. Those are the ones that find it. For they, my words, are life unto those that find them, and health, everybody say health, health to all their flesh. Now, what part of their flesh? All their flesh. In other words, this procedure, these principles of inclining your ear to his sayings, letting the word not depart from before your eyes, keeping the word of God in the midst of your heart by speaking it, those principles which define what it means to attend to the word, those principles will bring healing to all your flesh. Now, folks, this comes down to one very simple question. Did God tell the truth or did he not? See, some people will say, well, it's not God's will to heal everybody. Well, then... Health is not available to all the flesh of those who attend to the word, meaning God lied. And some will say, well, it's not God's will to heal me. Then God lied. Well, healing has been done away with. Then God lied because he didn't say if you happen to live in the right time, if you happen to be alive when Jesus is here on the earth, he said the word of God through attending the word of God is life unto those that find it. And health to all their flesh. Who decides whether or not you find it and receive your healing? You do. It's not up to God. It's up to you. Now, this is a real, real delicate subject and real touchy area because we've all known people and loved people that didn't receive. My dad didn't receive. He died of lung cancer. Well, I'd like to to be able to, to speak well of my dad in this regard. But the fact is he didn't attend to the word. Some people would say and did say at the time at his funeral, well, it's not God's will to heal everybody in every situation. Well, that's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible simply says he didn't find the word of God. Well, no, Pastor Mike, his death proved that it's not the will of God to heal. No, it's not. It's proof that he didn't attend to the word. Well, I just don't want to speak that way of somebody that's passed on. Well, I'm not trying to throw rocks at anybody. This is a family member and somebody that I love dearly. But the truth is the truth. Whether you or I live up to it or not, the truth is the truth. And the Word says, if God told us the truth, the Word says that life and health is available to anybody and everybody that attends to the Word. According to this definition. Not their own definition of attending to the Word, but this definition of attending to the Word. Now notice verse 23. Keep your heart. We usually stop reading with verse 22, but notice verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Again, your heart is connected to your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart or the spirit, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. So when he says, keep your heart with all diligence, he's saying, watch your words. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of your spirit, out of your heart flow the issues of life flow the issues of life. What does that mean? It means the power to heal, among other things. It means the power to heal. Out of your own spirit flows the power to heal. So many people are waiting for God to do something from heaven to affect their healing. The power to heal is coming from inside you. It comes from inside you. It doesn't come from heaven. Oh, but Pastor Mike, that's where Jesus lives. Yeah, but Jesus did his work here on the earth and he empowered his word to bring health to all of our flesh. The power to heal is in you because that's where God's word flows forth from. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. The word issue is the word boundary. It's also what the word translated deliverance. It literally means that it's a root comes from the root word that means a swarm. When you speak, you send forth a swarm of either blessing or cursing. When you speak the word of God, you speak a swarm of God's healing power. That's what this verse literally means. Now prove it to you. Look at verse 24. He hadn't changed subjects. Verse 24, he said, put away from thee a froward mouth. In other words, guard yourself so that you don't say the wrong thing. And perverse lips put far from thee. What is a forward mouth and perverse lips? Well, in this context, it's anything contrary to what God's word says. Because the subject is attending to the word. So where he says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, your heart, through your words, flow the issues of life. He's talking about healing words bring healing results. Healing words bring healing results. Healing words bring healing results. Oh, but Pastor Mike, I've been speaking the word and it just doesn't seem to be getting any better. Turn with me over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Wouldn't it be nice if the Bible said, keep your heart with all diligence for a day or two? My son attended my words for 36 hours. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be easy? Or believe God for a week, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe for a week that you receive them and you shall have them. Wouldn't that be nice? That's the way our flesh wants it to be. I want you to notice what James said, which is, for many people, a missing piece. James chapter 1, verse 2. My son, or brethren, I'm sorry, my brethren counted all joy, When you fall into diverse temptations, diverse temptations literally means tests, trials, and hardships, afflictions. It means hard places. Count it all joy when you fall into hard places. Count it all joy when you're going through trouble. Count it all joy when your body's being attacked with sickness. Well, that's sure contrary to to our natural inclination, isn't it? I don't want to count it joy when I'm being attacked with sickness. But that's what the Bible says to do. My brethren, count it all joy when you're being attacked with sickness. Knowing this, here's what enables you to do it. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, I want you to see the first thing that James says just right out of the gate. James is a pastor of the church at Jerusalem, according to the book of Acts. He was beheaded by Herod but for a period of time James this James who was the stepbrother or half brother I should say not stepbrother but half brother of Jesus he was Mary's son but of course Joseph was his father where God was Jesus's father so he was a half brother they had they shared the same mother Mary and James who didn't believe in Jesus during his earthly ministry uh, church records historical records traditional records tell us that James. Uh, that Jesus appeared to James after his resurrection, and James believed on him, got saved, and as a result, he, uh, Jesus made him the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. After a period of time, initially, uh, Peter was uh, in charge of the church. He was the leader of the disciples in the first, few, verses, or first uh, few chapters of the book of Acts. But by the time we see Acts 15 coming around, James is the one in charge. He's the one answering and deciding what to do when uh, conflict arises. That's who this is. This is the half-brother of Jesus. And notice what the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, at the time this was written, it was the largest church in the face of the earth. This is one of the earlier books of the, uh, the New Testament because James was beheaded pretty soon, pretty early on in the, in the process. So this is one of the earliest books written. And James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall, in, fall into divers temptations. Why didn't James say, Brothers and sisters... Isn't it a wonderful thing to live for Jesus because everything always goes our way? I mean, right out of the gate after announcing who's writing it. Verse 1, he said, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, count it all joy when you're in trouble. This is written apparently during one of the times of persecution, so he knows firsthand about the trouble of the people that are getting the letter. They've had to flee their home. They've had to flee from Jerusalem because of the persecution of Caesar and the edicts that have taken place throughout the Roman Empire. So the first thing he talks about is trouble. God wants you to know how to handle trouble. You don't need any instruction on what to do when things are going your way. I've never yet had anybody in 30 years of pastoring. I've never had anybody say, Pastor Mike, things are going so good. I just don't know what to do. Can you help me? When things are going good, we are, we're full of joy. Everything is, is rosy. The sun always shines on us. That's the way we feel. We're not looking for help, but God wants you to know what to do in trouble. Well, what do we do in trouble? Be joyful. Be of good cheer. Rejoice rejoice. Now, folks, in order to do that, you're going to have to know something that's not natural or the natural way of doing things. You're going to have to know something. What are you going to have to know? You're going to have to know the work of patience. You're going to have to know what patience is. You're going to have to know how patience works, which is the reason why so many Christians are complaining in the middle of their trouble instead of being joyful. They don't know anything about patience. They don't know a thing about patience. Now, let me ask you this. If the Holy Ghost inspired the writer of Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22, My son, attend unto my words, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them, my words, not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 telling us that you're always going to get instant results? Than not say anything about when the results will come. It just promises the results. Although where it says keep your heart with all diligence, there is an intimation that there's going to be resistance that you're going to have to work against or stand against so that you're going to, uh, to in order to keep your heart with all diligence. If you've got instant results, there's really nothing to keep your heart against, is there? There's really nothing to keep your heart about. You say it and it happens instantly and there you go. But the fact that the Bible speaks after promising the the results about keeping your heart, watching your words, maintaining your profession of faith with all diligence is a suggestion at the very least that all results aren't instantaneous. And that's where some people, bless their hearts, they mess up so badly because they think Jesus got instant results on every little thing that he did And so if healing works the same way it did when Jesus was here on the earth, and if God really never changes like the Bible says, then all healing is going to be instantaneous. But not everybody was healed instantly with Jesus. The Bible said the nobleman's son began to amend from the hour. He began to get better. That's not instant results. The ten lepers were healed as they went. That's not instant results. Yeah, but Jesus was the son of God. Yeah, and if the Son of God doesn't always get instant results, why should we expect to? So is there a discrepancy between James chapter 1 and Proverbs chapter 4? Well, if so, they can't both be inspired by the Holy Ghost. We're left with the awful dilemma of deciding what's right and what's not. You start picking and choosing what part of the Bible is true, you're in a mess. No, bless God, it's all inspired by the Holy Ghost, which means it's all absolutely true. So what can we expect concerning the results of the Word of God being life to those that find them and health to all their flesh? You're not going to get always the instant results or the quick, as quick a results as you want. So what do we do? We have to learn to count it all joy understanding how patience works. How patience works. Now, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse... Uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12 says that through faith and patience... The forefathers the jewish forefathers abraham isaac and jacob and all the the heroes of faith through faith and patience they inherited the promises so patience was even an old testament requirement patience would have been a requirement even in proverbs four days of the old testament well then isn't it important for us to understand how patience works yeah because you can't count it all joy unless you know what patience does If patience is a necessary or a critical ingredient, which it is, to your faith bringing the results that the Word of God promises, then we better learn something about it. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. in the middle of any hardship, financial hardship, physical hardship, job hardship, hardship in your families. In any hardship you encounter, count it all joy. In other words, live a life of rejoicing and thankfulness. Why should we do that, Pastor Mike? Because if we know what patience does, we'll realize the importance of it. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, notice what the prerequisite for hardship is as far as James is concerned. He's saying in any hardship you're in, you, you're supposed to be and you, it's understood that you should be in faith. You should have a foundation of the word of God. You should be acting on the word of God. In any hardship or trial or trouble you're in. So what's step number one. In the, midst, in the middle of trouble. Or when trouble comes. Find the word that covers your case. We're talking about sickness and healing. In this uh, healing school service. So when sickness attacks. You need to take the word of God. And apply it. By faith to your situation. That's what Mark eleven twenty three and 24 is about. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Why do we speak the word? Why do we speak to our circumstances? Because speaking is the expression of your spirit. The spoken word is the expression of your spirit. Whosoever shall say into this mountain or this trouble or this hardship, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt. Shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. What does that mean? Shall not speak to the contrary. If faith from your heart is speaking the word. Then doubt in your heart is speaking anything else. Shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe in his heart. How do we believe in our heart? By what we say. But shall believe in his heart. That those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith immediately. We wish. No, it doesn't say anything about time. It just says we'll have what we say if we don't doubt in our heart, if we don't speak anything to the contrary, if we hold fast to the word, speak the word only, don't say anything to the contrary, we'll have what we say. Verse 24 of Mark chapter 11. Therefore I say unto you, Jesus said, what things soever you desire. We're talking about sickness and healing. So healing is what we desire. What things soever you desire. When you pray, believe. When do you believe? When you pray. Do you believe when you see the answer, see the results? No, you believe when you pray. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, those things that you desire, the healing that you desire in our case, and you shall have them, the healing you desire. So that's a prerequisite or an understood step that's already been taken and when James is writing to the church James expects Christians to walk by faith James expects Christians to take the word of God and apply it to their circumstances James is writing by the Holy Ghost so we should say the Holy Ghost expects us to take the word of God well since the word is always the answer why wouldn't we since the word is always life unto those that find Him in health to all of our flesh why wouldn't we take the word of God Why wouldn't we incline our ear to what the word says instead of what somebody else says? Why wouldn't we keep the word before our eyes all the time and see ourselves with the answer? Why wouldn't we keep our hearts with all diligence and speak the word only? The word's the answer in every case, in every situation. Why wouldn't we act on the word? Well, Pastor Mike, I think we need to get other opinions and find out what other people have to say. You just decided not to attend to the word you just decided to attend to other people's opinions. And no matter how well-meaning they may or may be or how smart the person's opinion may turn out to be, it's not going to compare with God's Word. So that's what James understands everybody does in their situations and in their hard places. He understands hardships and difficulties follow, in many cases, a stand of faith taking the word of God and applying it. He understands that. Do you? The way some Christians whine, they don't seem to understand that. They think that one prayer is going to fix everything overnight. Very few of us got in our situations overnight. It's hard to imagine why one situation would be changed or, or fixed overnight. You find uh, You see people doing that with financial problems. They spend... 10 years getting themselves into debt and then can't figure out why God doesn't get them out by the end of the week. So James understands that hardships often follow a stand of faith or the word spoken in faith or the prayer of faith. So he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. What is trying of your faith? What does it mean for your faith to be tried? It means for the devil to try to shake you from your confession of the word of God. It means the devil is trying to show you circumstances, bring feelings to you, bring observations that will try to discount and disregard and refute the truth of the word. To what end? He's trying to get you to accept what you see, accept what you feel, and say what you see or feel instead of what God's word says. Why does he do that? Because attending to the word of God brings life into those that find them and health to all their flesh. Attending to anything else will cause you to go down the drain. It'll bring failure, guaranteed failure. So he's going to try to shake you. And that's what the trying of your faith is. Peter said the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. I would challenge that statement. The trying of your faith is more precious than gold if you know how patience works. But if you don't understand how patience works and don't operate according to the principles that enable patience to bring about the results of life and healing to all your flesh, then the trying of your faith is nothing more than than pain, headache, and misery. But we're supposed to count it all joy when we fall into hard places, come into difficulties. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Please understand, folks, that the Bible gives you no other method or means whereby patience is developed. Patience doesn't come through things working out your way. Patience comes one and only one way, and that is through hardship, through hard places. Now, does anybody like hard places? Does anybody enjoy them from a natural or fleshly standpoint? Of course not. Nobody likes hard places, but there is a benefit to them, and that is patience is developed. Now, if we let patience have a perfect work, which means patience is a matter of time. If we let patience have a perfect work, then we will be perfect and entire, complete, wanting or lacking nothing. If you believe in God for healing, then patience will bring you the full manifestation or restoration of divine health. In physical form, if you let patience have a perfect work, if you let patience run its course, finish its course, do the job that it's designed to do, and it is designed to work to your benefit, not against you. Patience is not a dirty word. Patience is designed, it's a spiritual force designed to help you. It's through faith and patience that you inherit the promises. It's not through faith alone, it's through faith and patience. I think we got a lot of people that are much stronger in faith than they are in patience. Well, Pastor Mike, I want to be fully developed in patience. Me too. I don't know about you, but I want it to happen instantly. But that's not the way patience is developed. Patience is developed through the trying of your faith. Through your faith standing the test of time. It's the only way patience can be developed. But if you let patience do its full work, its complete work, then you will be fully perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You'll be lacking nothing that you're believing God for. In other words, your faith will bring the complete answer that you sought, whether it be healing or anything else. We're talking about healing, but that's true in every area as well. Now, what is patience? We know that patience has a time. The problem is we don't know what the time is. We can tell you stories. I can tell you stories about the time that patience took in other situations but patience is different and the time frame is different in different situations the time frame is different for the same circumstances with different people so all we know is patience has an end point that brings us a complete restoration of what we needed from god we don't know what that end point is again if we knew that it was a month And we could just buckle down and say, all right, I'm going to believe God no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, I'm going to believe God for a month. But you count on that month, by the time you get to day 32, then you're ready to commit suicide. But we don't know how long it's going to be. But we do know there's an end point. The discouraging part sometimes, at least in my experience, the discouraging part has been when I tried to attach a time frame to it and I went over time. Because once you cross that finish line or what you thought or thought was going to be the finish line or what you wanted to be the finish line or what you told yourself was going to be the finish line or what you told yourself God was telling you was going to be the finish line. Once you go past that time, man, that's tough sledding because you got to retool everything. But there is a time. There is a time. Now let me ask you this. What causes the time to be what it is? Is God in heaven saying, well, okay, Mike's believing for healing. Let's make it six months. But Jim over here is believing for healing. He's more mature. Let's make it four months for him. Is God picking and choosing how long the time is? No. The time is whatever period it takes for patience to do its work in you. In other words, you have more to do with the time of patience than God does. See, if God's got a set time, if God's looking at all the people in the world and the body of Christ that are believing God for healing, and he's saying, okay, three months here, six months here, oh, that's a week there. If he's picking and choosing time, then healing is not already accomplished. And the Bible says Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we were healed, meaning the work's already done. Well, if the work's already done, why don't we get instant results? Because it takes faith and patience to inherit the promise. And patience develops in you to the degree and the time frame is determined more by your willingness to act on what the word says in the middle of a hard place and a trial of your faith than it has anything to do with God's plan or purpose or will. You decide how long things are going to go. good news huh well what are we to do what the bible says count it all joy when you fall into hardships test trials and afflictions knowing this that the trying of your faith work patience the word patience if you look it up into the concordance the word patience means cheerful endurance it means constancy cheerful endurance now a lot of people are patient In the sense of time, they've put up with whatever they have to. But the question is, how many people are being patient while they're enduring? I'm sorry, how many people are being cheerful while they're enduring? Patience is cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. See, Jesus said the storms of life are going to come to all of us. Those storms of life can be hardships, tests, trials, and afflictions. The question is, who's going to learn to dance in the rain? Because that's what the Bible says to do. Count it all joy when the storms of life come. Test trials, afflictions, and hardships. Count it all joy. In other words, the key to the real work of faith or the trying of your faith, working patience to bring you the answer and the restoration of what you seek, the healing that you seek or the financial restoration, whatever it is that you're applying the Word of God to in your life. The key is your willingness and your determination to be cheerful In the middle of your trial. Are you out there? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith worketh cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. Not pain and misery and complaint. Cheerful endurance cheerful endurance but let patience cheerful endurance have her perfect or complete work that you may be perfect or complete wanting or lacking nothing folks i want you to understand cheerful endurance the word of god applied and acted on in your life by faith spoken and believed attached to cheerful endurance will bring the answer that you want no matter how impossible it seems How quickly will it work, Pastor Mike? I don't know. I just know that it'll work. Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty discouraged because I've been believing for a long time. All the more reason for you to be cheerful as you endure. Well, I just don't know why God's letting this happen to me. That's not cheerful endurance, folks. Questioning is not cheerful endurance. Complaining is not cheerful endurance. Now, I'll be honest about this. I don't know how it works. I don't know if you lose ground by complaining. Or if after you finish complaining, you decide to get back in faith, then you pick up where you were. I really don't know how it works. But since I don't know how it works, I'm always going to be very, very careful that I don't lose any ground. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, don't you have days where you just want to cry about things? You bet I do. What do you do? I perk up on the cheerful endurance part. I put the pedal down on the count it all joy. The times that I feel worse are the times that I sing my songs out behind the shed. because those are the times that I realize I'm in the greatest danger, there's the greatest temptation for me to slip and lose ground that I've already gained. And I don't want this thing to last forever. So I'm going to be cheerful as I endure whether i feel good or whether i feel bad whether i seem to be making progress or seem to be going by, going backwards i'm going to be cheerful in my endurance why because when patience cheerful endurance finishes its work whatever that point in time is when it finishes its work i will be completely restored to divine health i will regain everything that i lost through the trial and hardship and test plus some that's what the bible promises Now, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. The cheerful endurance is developed by the trying or the hardship of the devil's attack against your faith. Attacks and circumstances that contradict the word of God should trigger rejoicing in us. We shouldn't have to pray and get some advice and have somebody tell us this is what the Bible says to do. This ought to be an automatic reaction for us. When the doctor says things look like it's getting worse, that ought to be our time to step it up and say, thank God for the word. Because if we'll maintain that cheerful endurance will be restored God's in the business I don't know if you know this or not I hope you do but God's in the business of making things better than they ever were before it happened that's the kind of God he is remember Job everybody talks about Job what about Job why did God let this happen to Job Job finished up with twice as much as he had before family and stuff twice as much God's not just in the business of bringing you back to zero. He's in the business of adding to you when you act on the word. Now turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 10. If these things are true, then we ought to have other evidence of it as well. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Let's see what Paul wrote to the church. I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And if he did, then he's the one that's telling us by the Holy Ghost. If he's not the author of the book of Hebrews, then whoever is, is inspired by the Holy Ghost to write it. Notice it says in verse 35, Hebrews ten thirty-five. It says, cast not away therefore your confidence. This word confidence means faith. Faith is confidence in God. Cast not away therefore your confidence, whatever you're standing on the word for, believing God for, which has great recompense of reward, which has great recompense of reward, which God rewards you for using, in other words. It'll bring you a reward. Standing in faith will bring you a reward. So make sure you don't lose your confidence. In other words, don't let hardships, don't let circumstances, don't let feelings, don't let other people's opinions, don't let wrong teaching from well-meaning preachers rob you of what the Bible says is yours, rob you from confessing the Word of God in your situation. Now notice in verse 36, for, for, don't cast away your confidence, Because you have need of patience. Now notice he's talking about a time issue. He's saying don't get discouraged when it doesn't look like it's working. Because you have need of patience. When is patience developed? When it doesn't look like it's working. Patience is only developed when it doesn't look like it's working, folks. And it's faith plus patience That equals the results. It's not just faith that brings the results. It's faith and patience that brings the results. So cast not away your confidence. Because faith always works. Why should we be careful about not casting away our confidence. Keeping our heart with all diligence. As Proverbs 4.23 said. Because it has out of our spirit. Out of our heart. Flow the issues of life. The power of God to heal, the power of God to restore, the power of God to bring provision, the power of God to deliver you in any and every situation comes from your heart, your spirit. So don't cast away your confidence. Guard your heart from circumstances and doubts. For you have need of patience. That after you have done the will of God, what is the will of God? To believe his word, stand in faith and rejoice. Stand in faith and count it all joy. Stand in faith and count it all joy. That's the will of God. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, counted it joy, developing patience in the process, you might receive the promise. Notice when the promise comes. Verse 35 says, faith has a reward, a great recompense of reward. In other words, there's a a great uh, promise of results. But when does the result come? After you develop patience. Faith plus patience brings the results. Faith plus patience brings the results. That's why Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5, and he said, in everything give thanks. He didn't say for everything give thanks. He said in everything give thanks. Now when things are going well, giving thanks is easy. But when things are going hard, giving thanks is necessary. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Why is it the will of God for you to give thanks in everything? Because trouble is coming. It's not just the will of God for you to be thankful for all the wonderful things he's done. That's not what he's saying. He goes further and says, pray without ceasing. And then says, rejoice evermore. Brother Hagin used to say the Bible tells you to do twice as much rejoicing and giving thanks as it does praying. It's a good, a good principle to follow. The Bible is not just talking about the, the, the attitude of praise and the sacrifice of praise. It's not just talking about being thankful for what God has done for you. It's talking about giving thanks in the middle of trouble. Why? Because that's how you develop patience. And patience is a necessary ingredient, a critical ingredient to having the results that the Word of God says is yours, says belongs to you. It's a necessary result, necessary ingredient. You ever made a cake or baked something, ladies, and forgot to put something in? And it's just not right. We've had some cakes come out and and it's like something's missing here. We don't know what we missed here. We don't know what we didn't put in, but something's not in this. Well, that's kind of like faith without patience. And you tell me, what's the greater emphasis put on faith or patience? We hear a lot more about faith. Now, granted, faith is taught about giving praise, thanking God for the answer before you see the answer. And that's great. That's wonderful. But how much do we really talk about giving praise to God and thanking God in the midst of trouble because it's the way that we develop patience? Not too much. There's not too much emphasis on that. Yet it's an equal ingredient with faith. According to James and according to Paul, brethren, count it all joy. Right, out of the, right off the bat, right out of the gate. James says, now here's what to do with trouble. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, the trouble that you're in works or develops patience. But let patience have a perfect work. In other words, maintain your cheerful endurance so that patience can bring about the results. You can be completed, perfected, restored, healed, wanting and lacking absolutely nothing. I like that. I like that. You remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have him full of wants? No, that's not what it says. It says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? That means patience has had a perfect work. The place where you, The only way that you come to the place where you have no wants is you let patience develop a perfect work. You have counted it all joy in the midst of storms, tests, trials, and troubles. That should be a lifestyle for us, folks. We shouldn't have to get out our notes and say, no, wait a minute, what do we do when trouble comes? It ought to be a natural reaction. Thank God for the word of God that brings us out of our trouble. We're not saying, thank God, we enjoy this feeling. Nobody enjoys the feeling of trouble. We're saying, thank God, the word's the answer for trouble. Amen. Let me read it one more time. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Different types of trouble. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect or complete work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. only way you can come to the place where you lack nothing from in life is when you've developed patience. I believe this is what Paul is talking about when he said, I've learned how to be content no matter what circumstance I'm in. I know what it's like to have a pocket full of money. I know what it's like not to have food to eat. I've come to realize that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. God's the same whether things are good. Circumstances are in my favor or circumstances are stacked up against me. God's the same. And since he's the same, I've decided to be the same no matter what. I'm going to thank God when things are good just like I thank God when things look bad. I believe that's what he's saying. I believe that's what we should aspire to develop in ourselves. Most Christians aren't like that though, are they? You can tell what's going on in their life. They'll either have a smile on their face or they'll be down in the dumps looking like they're waiting for somebody to do them in. We shouldn't be that way. People shouldn't be able to tell what's going on in our lives by the way we look. Why? Because we should be just as joyful when things are bad as we are when things are good. We should be just as joyful when things don't feel good as when things are in our favor and we do feel good because that's what brings the answer to where we lack nothing. I feel like I keep saying the same thing different ways. There's no greater lesson to learn, folks. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, knowing this, you'll do this if you know it, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work with patience. But let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect or complete and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the privilege to develop patience. Father, we choose to count it joy when we fall into trouble and tests and trials and afflictions. We choose to count it joy, Father, when we're attacked with sickness or financial hardship and every other way that the devil comes against us. We choose to count it joy knowing that that's the development of our patience and patience plus faith bring the answer every time. Oh, Father, we thank you that you're on our side. You're not working against us. You're not delaying the result. You showed us a way where the result can come as quickly as possible. Thank you, Father, that the the byproduct is that we develop in spirit as well, that we grow mature. We learn how to be steady and constant, whether things look good or things look bad, whether we feel up or we feel down. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to stand in faith to overcome the works of the devil and the attack of the enemy against us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Don't forget Wednesday night. Franklin Graham will be here at 7. God bless you.